Okay, we'll start with Mark, chapter 13, verses 1 to 13. And as he came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. And Jesus said to him, Do you see these great buildings? There will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished? Jesus began to say to them, See that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and they will lead many astray. And when you hear of wars and rumours of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. These are but the beginning of the birth pains. But be on your guard, for they will deliver you over to councils, and you will be beaten in synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them. And the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. When they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say, but but say whatever is given you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. And brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. The one who endures to the end will be saved. Then we go to Matthew chapter 24, verses 1 to 14. Jesus left the temple and was going away when his disciples came to a point, came to point out to him the buildings of the temple. But he answered them, You see all these, do you not? Truly I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumours of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another, and many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Our text verses are from Mark, verses 5 to 8. And... As two weeks ago, I will focus on certain verses to have an overview of both of these passages. 
Jesus began to say to them, See that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and they will lead many astray. And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. These are but the beginning of the birth pains. And the topic of this evening's sermon, do not be alarmed. Do not be alarmed. Beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, the world is burning. The war between Russia and Ukraine is raging on. It has the potential to cause World War III. There are floods, earthquakes, massive bushfires. On Wednesday, floods from extreme rain killed thousands of people in Libya washed entire neighborhoods into the sea. And these floods in eastern Libya killed at least 5,100 people, according to local authorities. This weekend, the sea gone mad in South Africa as well, with tides and crazy tides. And we also know about Hawaii. It was almost destroyed by wildfire. And we are warned here, that we need to embrace an extreme bushfire season again this year. Earthquakes are also becoming more frequent. September 8, a devastating earthquake of 6.8 magnitude hit Morocco. At least 300,000 people were affected. So many disasters. And this is only, but this is only September. There are many more and much more over the world. Also know that there are famines. And according to the World Food Program, as many as 828 million people go hungry to bed each night. In extreme weather, rising costs and conflict continue to worsen the global food crisis. That's why I'm saying the world is burning. And people and Christians are warning that the return of our Lord Jesus Christ is imminent. Some even predict, it's all over the media, social media, that Jesus will come on 19 September 2023, day after tomorrow. These self-proclaimed prophets speak with authority. They have a following of thousands. And their studies include dozens of scripture references and quotes highlighting the Feast of Trumpets, the Morning Star, the New Moon, and everything that is coming in place because this is the Jubilee year. And when Jesus comes on Tuesday, this event will initiate a seven-year tribulation for those who are left behind. What did Jesus say in our passage? He said, do not be alarmed. He told his disciples that there will be difficult times, but see that no one leads you astray. 
And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places, and there will be famines. These are but the beginning of the birth pains. And Jesus' words sound so modern. It almost sounds if Jesus is talking about 2023. But we need to remember that Jesus talked about world history between his first coming, his ascension to heaven, and his second coming. And we should not read prophetic or apocalyptic writings like that first people I've mentioned. Jesus taught his disciples about the kingdom of God and he used examples they knew already. False messiahs, political confrontations, Rome as world governance, earthquakes and famines. By doing this, Jesus listed three lines in world history. Verses 5 to 6. There will be false messiahs, and they will lead many astray. And Christianity will be affected in its core being. Verses 7 to 8a. There will be wars, and people will rise against one another. People will be confused, and their hatred against one another will boil over. Verses 8b. Nature will also be affected by earthquakes, floods, and famines. And it will appear of nature is in chaos. But Jesus did not tell us how and when he will return. And this is because Jesus was busy with his disciples. Who asked him the question in verse 4. Tell us when will these things be? And what will be the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished? Remember my sermon about two weeks ago. Disciples made two mistakes with their question to Jesus. First they asked, when will these things be? And that was the destruction of the temple. But then they jumped to the end of time. When will all things be accomplished? They were not only asking about the destruction of the temple, but also the end of the world. And it appears to be an innocent question. But with this question, they made a mistake. And the most important was their false presupposition and perception about time. They were terrified when Jesus told them about the destruction of the temple. And it shook their whole existence. Because the temple was the existence of their religion. They were also curious and wanted to know more about the end times. And that's what people still do. But I did it from a spectator's view. They did not ask about the gospel, about their task, their responsibility. What the Lord expected from them. And from this, they jumped to the end of time. The world and the destruction of the temple meant to them the end of the world. With the end of their world, it was almost unthinkable in their minds that the world would still exist after they died. 
And with the prophecy about the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem, they thought it was the end of the world. We know it was not. Jesus rectified the disciples' mistakes in, the, in this sermon on the Mount of Olives. This is because our Lord Jesus Christ has a whole view of history from his first coming until his second coming, his return. This is Mark 13, verse 5 to 13. If you go to this chapter, <coughs> verse 14 to 23, Jesus did answer the disciples' question about the destruction of the temple. And then, lastly, the next passage after that, Jesus focused on his disciples, his return and the accomplishment of all things. But this evening our focus is, is on those verses. The world history from Jesus' first coming to the second coming. And with this, Jesus warned the believers to not be misled. To not make the same mistake as the disciples, as people are still doing up to this day, giving dates. Because there will be many false prophets and messiahs saying that they are Jesus, that they know the truth. And that they have the key to understand history and prophecy. Only God can do this. Only God knows the appointed hour. Jesus himself said, But concerning the day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. And of course the Son now knows, because he's glorified with the Father, sitting on his right hand. And with Jesus' warning, he tells his church of all times, do not believe all those who are coming in the name of Jesus, but test their teachings to the word of God. See that no one lead you astray. And how can we not be led astray? Through the word of God. This is how all these prophecies need to be tested. The word of God is the only test to see of all these prophecies are true. We know through church history that there were false doctrines. Many were led astray. Just think of church history. But the Lord told us also that his sheep will recognize the voice of the good shepherd, our Lord Jesus Christ. And he told us that in John 10 verse 4 to 5. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. And Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus was the, from the tribe of David, and the good shepherd was born, and the Lord has not forgotten his promise that the Savior would come and as our shepherd, the Lord is always with us. He will never leave us. He is here with his spirit to comfort, to guide, to teach from his words. And as the good shepherd, Jesus demonstrated his care in many different ways. John 10, he told us how to recognize his voice. Maybe we can turn to John 10. I will only go through a few verses. Verse 3, the Lord speaks to his sheep. 
Jesus communicates to us through his word and spirit. Verse 3, he calls his sheep by his name. He knows our name. He formed us. We belong to him. Verse 4, he leads his sheep through his word and spirit. And he gives us direction in life if we sometimes wander off. And he leads us back through his word and spirit. He calls. He will never let go. Despite our sins, he also forgives the one that is broken. Verse 5, he goes before his sheep. And we know about Christ's suffering on the cross, his death, his burial, his inexpressible anguish, pain and terror of soul, especially on the cross, to save me from all the uncertainties of this world and also from the excruciating pain and anxiety of hell. Jesus went before us into death, the grave, so that we could live forever, so that we don't have to be alarmed about the things of this world. And His Word is the light that we should follow. His voice is the most important voice. Also, how we should determine other voices in this world as well. His voice is the one that we need to listen to. To determine. If other voices are from God. And Christ is building up us up to be true to his word. To stay true to his word. Apostle Paul also reminded the believers in his letter in Colossians 2 that they must be aware of those who would deceive the children of God with philosophy or deceitful words. And if you know God's word, you will not be deceived. You will not be alarmed. You will not wander away by the times, liberalism, Everything goes, or legalism, that you are still bound to the law. And so we confess also in Belgian Confession, Article 7, Therefore we reject with all our hearts everything that does not agree with this infallible rule, as we are taught to do by the apostles when, we, when they say, Test the spirits to see if they are of God. And also if anyone comes to you, and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him in your house. And then our Lord Jesus Christ said about testing of the spirits in verses 7 and 8a, and when you hear of rumors, of wars and rumors of, of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. But the most important, Jesus told us, do not be alarmed. When the world experiences war and rumors of war, when they see earthquakes, they are terrified and they even blame the Lord who they not recognize. We don't have to be. We don't have to be alarmed. Because we have a good shepherd. We know that God is in control. We know that God determines the hour. 
And so do not be alarmed. It's the main idea of this passage. Main idea of the sermon this evening. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7. God gave us not a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Were you ever so in despair about your problems and had no solution? Are you worried about your children, your grandchildren? As are you one of those who said, what will become of my grandchildren? The future is so unsure. Jesus told us, do not be alarmed. I'm in control. Matthew 10, Jesus assured us that God is taking care of us in the same way as God is taking care of the sparrows. He assures us in verses 29 to 31, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. And the Lord will be there in difficult times. The Lord will be there in the times we are afraid. The Lord will carry through the tough times. The Lord will carry through wars, through earthquakes, through famines. The Lord is carrying us through my marriage, your marriage, the children. And the Lord overlays it with early rains and he carries us. Psalm 84. And we will never go through a trial alone. Because the Lord is with us, He is our refuge. Do not be alarmed. Lastly, Jesus explained the effect on nature. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. These are but the beginning of the birth pains. What did Jesus tell His disciples that day? Remember they were asking, when will all these things are about to be accomplished. And they thought that the destruction of the temple, they thought would mean the end of the world. And they were jumping. Because, like any generation, they thought they were the center of their existence. Remember that the Lord says, He will come when the gospel is preached to everyone. Also our confession. That when the time appointed by the Lord is come, which is unknown to all creatures, and the number of the elect is completed, the Lord determines the day and the hour. Jesus always worked with the people behind the question. And like the good shepherd he is, he was leading his disciples to understand that God is in control, not they. And also you are thinking that you know the time and that we are definitely at the very end of times. Jesus warned in verse 7, this must take place, but the end is not yet. And with that, it clearly means that a church that has become so busy with this question, with the fulfillment of all things, forgets its calling in this world. And our calling is to proclaim the gospel. Many made this mistake before. Also the church of Thessalonica. Some people in a congregation, that's 1 Thessalonians 4, became so restless, piously they said, they're waiting for the Lord, but they stopped working. They even quit their jobs. 
No, said Paul to them in 1 Thessalonians 4. You have to work. You have to continue with your daily task. If you do not need to work for yourself because you have enough money, then you work to serve others. Ultimately, work is that you something you do in the service of our Lord. And therefore, Paul said, don't stop working. Because we should live a quiet life. And it's good to take glory in the Lord's return. It's wonderful to expect our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what we are praying. It's good to be ready like the five virgins were ready for the groom's return. But being so carried away in these things that your work become a burden to, and that you become a burden to the congregation and community is not right as well. And so he admonished them and said, go back to work. Manual labor was even more common in those days than on now. And they were slaves. But many of them belonged to the church. And like it's happening still today, some would do all the work and others would let them. So Paul charged them to continue to their daily life. And so the gospel is so practical. It dignifies labor. But the workers and the passengers are charged with the words in 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 12, so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. And therefore, when we see all these things uh, that are happening all over the world, do not quit your job, but be faithful to the Lord. Work hard because we expect Jesus. Proclaim the gospel so that people can know. Proclaim the love of Jesus, that in Him is the ultimate rest. Proclaim that Jesus said, Come to me, all you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Proclaim that God determines everything. Also, Jesus' return. And Jesus indicated with the words, These are but the beginning of the birth pains. How we should understand that as well. When we experience natural disasters, we should not understand this as suffering. But we should see this the same as a woman in labor. And when the birth pain begins, we know that a birth is not far anymore. But we can't say in all certainty, even the doctors, that it will be in the next hour. For some, it's still 36 hours or 20 hours. It still can take a while. And this is how we should understand it. Apostle Paul described that in Romans 8 verse 22. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. These are but childbirth. And all these things that are happening in the world now are the beginning and the signs of Jesus' return. It is the sign that the Lord is true to His word. It's the beginning of the new heaven and a new earth that are coming in fulfillment. And we as Christians know that the Lord is true to all His promises. But also know that all these disasters are also God's judgment and a call to repentance to a world that rejects Him. For us Christians, Jesus said, do not be alarmed 
All these things that are happening is the good news. Our Savior is coming. We don't know when. Only the Lord knows. But we know God is true to all His promises. And we expect our risen Savior will return on the clouds as He ascended to heaven. And therefore, brothers and sisters, do not be alarmed, but continue as faithful servants. For our Lord Jesus Christ to proclaim the gospel. Amen. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, you told us in clear words that we don't have to be alarmed about all these things that are happening in the world now. But also that it is a call to be urgent. Call to be urgent in the gospel proclamation. And with this, Lord, you know the appointed time. We know that we are not the center of existence. And as you've taught your apostles as well, that they should continue. And they did that with vigor. We can only think how Peter, how hard Peter worked, but also the apostle Paul, and how they were obedient and how the church grew. Lord, we have a great task before us here in Australia. Let us continue to be faithful. Let us see the urgency of preaching the gospel. Let, it, let us continue with our work. It's only by grace that we are your people, that we can know the voice of our shepherd, the good shepherd, our Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.